Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer, owner and operator of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned into Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback in offensive football. Today on our fourth episode, we have a trio of guests, three guys that I'm very close with, that I have great relationships with, that are outstanding coaches all of themselves. They are all members of the Vincent Massey Winnipeg Trojans JV staff. Um, and first, I'm going to start by introducing head coach Chris Johnston. How's it going, coach? Good. Uh, happy to be on. Awesome. So me and you go back a long time back. I, I think 1999 is when I uh, when I first met you. You were playing for the St. James Rods. You were the center of the team, and uh, actually, me and Coach Jay were uh, we had the fortune of of coaching your team in the first regular season game, and that was a royal debacle. But uh, something I remember about you at that point was you were in phenomenal shape, and I remember at practice that you would actually lead the team around the field during running laps. So. You know, I, I don't think many people would think that of you, but uh, I recall that, and I remember your athleticism. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad at least one person remembers that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coach, it's it's, not, it's it's a nice memory. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, coach, can you uh, fill everybody in with uh, who you are, what your playing and coaching career has been like, and uh, where you're at right now? Uh, well, I. Um... Like, like you said, I, uh, I started off playing my football with the St. James Rods uh, Football Club uh, when I was in grade nine and uh, was uh, lucky enough to be part of some really fantastic football teams there. Played with some some great players, uh, Coach Hucklock obviously being one of those guys. And uh, we, uh, we managed uh, to win several championships and went to a couple more championships that we didn't win. So... Um, definitely, uh, you know, had some, uh, some pretty awesome moments, uh, throughout the course of my time there at St. James. And, uh, after that, uh, moved on and, um, played some major football, uh, with, uh, rods and, uh, and after that, uh, played some junior football with the, uh, Winnipeg rifles for uh, a number of seasons, I guess it was 2002 to 2004. You've been coaching for how many years? Uh, uh, enough years that I barely remember how long, I suppose. Uh, I believe uh, 2020 would have been my 17th season, uh, if I uh, if I recall correctly. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, we missed out on that season, but uh, that just means that uh, I get a do-over in 2021. <laughs> there you go. All right, moving on to uh, your offense coordinator, Coach Jason Huckluck. Jay, me and you have known each other since we were little kids. It's, uh, I think it's 30 years, man, 30 years since we first, uh, you know, strapped it up together. Uh, obviously, we, we've been friends for a long time, very close, and, uh, you know, have, have kind of grown together. Uh, I'd like for you to, you know, kind of fill everybody in with your background, playing and coaching. Oh, well, I started, I guess I started playing uh, for the St. James Seahawks way back in Adam football right, right. many moons ago. Um, after that, it was, uh, we were at the Rods for a long time, spent a season with the Bisons, and a whole six quarters with the Rifles <laughs> before, before injuries finally caught up with me. Yeah, you abandoned um, me. Yeah, glass man. Yeah. Uh, 
I've been coaching, I guess, since I was about 19. So I guess we're going on about 20 years of coaching. Wow. Wow. Um, I started coaching for uh, major St. James Rods. And after that, I guess I ventured to the Nomads for a year, a year in the Charleswood Broncos, a few years with you guys at Oak Park. And now recently... I'm with Coach John Stone and Coach Ewan at Vincent Massey, where I'm the offensive coordinator, as you said. Excellent. All right, and last but not least, Coach Eric Ewan. So, Coach, you are an offensive guru in yourself. You're the glue man, I would say. Uh, Coach Jay has said that before, that you're his glue man that kind of holds things together, and I, and I felt the same way, and that's why I wanted you uh, in 2019 with me at the Rifles. Uh, you're somebody that uh, I coached way back when. 2005, 2006, you were our tailback at Oak Park, and unfortunately you had a, an injury and it delayed you and, and whatnot. I think you could have been a pretty phenomenal back if that didn't happen. Unfortunately, it did. But uh, you know, we uh, then went on and played a number of years of touch football in the Pitt Football League. Uh, me, you, and Coach Jay and Coach Chris, all of us together, uh, played some touch football together there for a number of years. And uh, you know, over time, you kind of grew with the grew with us and, and kind of entered our friend group and, and whatnot and uh, then got on staff uh, with Coach Chris and, and obviously helped me along the way at different stops, provincial team, and, and pretty much everywhere I've been, you've been kind of an assistant coach in the background helping out. So, uh, yeah, maybe you can fill everybody in with, with your background and where you're at now. Yeah, uh, well, as a player, I started out uh, playing community at Fort Gary. I uh, played running back there for three years, so it was Pee Wee, Minor Bantam, and Bantam, and then got myself to Oak Park, and uh, obviously I had mentioned with a knee injury, but I had you know three good years from 04 to 06, and then uh, got into coaching right away. Uh, got into coaching in 06, and then from there was Oak Park's junior varsity team, and then uh, a couple of years there, and then went to Massey to join you guys there at the junior varsity program, and then uh then we had a stint at at varsity for a year and then uh went to coach at the interlake with uh chris johnson for a bit there in in a year and then took some time off and then uh got the itch again and we brought the band back together in uh, 2018 and uh at at massey and then uh after that championship season uh joined you at the rifles which uh which was an interesting year and i was glad to you know be a part of pretty much the the collective with everybody here so yeah it's been been fun and uh, just yeah I love offense and you know get to talk offensive football with you guys and and you know put ideas together that's the best part of it absolutely okay guys so getting into you know JV football and so you know I've been on record before and I've talked about you know how much fun it is to coach JV football and how much I enjoyed it um, I always love the schedule of it, you know, practice Monday, Tuesday, play Wednesday, and that's about it. Show up and coach and play, and uh, at that level, I really felt like I had a huge impact in, in not only the players, but the game. So, you know, just uh, individually, and, and we'll start with you, Coach uh, Coach Chris, is, you know, what is it about JV football that you really like? Uh, well, I would say that um, the the introduction to um, to the larger program itself is, uh, is super important to me. So we obviously have the opportunity to kind of lay that foundation for grade nine and 10 athletes when they enter their new high school. 
um, we have the opportunity to lay that foundation within the football program for, you know, what is going to be the next four years of their life, ideally, um, from a football perspective. And uh, I think it's just really fun, you know, being around those guys at a young age. They're, you know, uh, easy to mold. Um, they're very open minded. You know, they're sponges. They just soak everything up. Um, I think I would, uh, you know, I think I'd be correct in saying that, you know, all of, uh, all of the three of us and, uh, you know, and, and the rest of our coaching staff at Vincent Massey, you know, we're very focused on fundamentals and, uh, obviously that's, you know, um, you know, great mindset to have at the JV level, right. You know, we're, we're focusing on, uh, on, you know, all the little things within offense and defense, but, you know, all the, you know, the core fundamental skills that, you know, make football players, you know, good at what they do on the field, right. The blocking, the tackling, you know, ball security, uh, generating turnovers on defense, you know, things of that nature. Right. Mm -hmm. So we all enjoy coaching that way and, uh, we get along really well. And, uh, I think it, uh, it just all, it all works. The chemistry of our coaching staff and, you know, how we fit into the program works really, really well. And we just enjoy working with the young guys and setting them up for success in the future. That's awesome, Coach. How about you, Coach Jay? What is it about JV football that intrigues you, that, that keeps you coming back every year? Uh, I just love the age group there. You know, it's the first year that they probably get introduced to proper fundamentals and uh proper schemes on offense and defense i just i you know what i always like uh i'll take an example of when uh back at summer camp with coach johnstone there with uh luke as the quarterback and i told him how to go through his progressions on just a simple rap play right. and he just turns to coach johnstone and he's like wow the, the defense does exactly what coach jay is telling me <laughs> and they you know they're actually starting to read a defense right. and it's, you know, it's just nice to watch the development over the, over the season from where you start to where you end up. You definitely feel satisfied as a coach, you know, and you know, winning's not always the only, uh, everything, you know, when, um, when the coach in Friday night light says, you know, there's a, there's a, there's not much difference between winning and losing except how the outside world treats you yeah. is a very true statement. And, you know what, once you've coached long enough and you realize how true that is, mm -hmm. you're in a good spot as a coach. Yeah. That's excellent. All right, you, Coach Ewan, how about you? What, what is it about JV football? Uh, obviously the group of kids that we get, but the development. Uh, you get to see some players that just have never played before. And then by the time the season's over, you can see how much growth they develop and, and how much uh, knowledge they put in. Uh, and again, from a coaching standpoint, just the creativity that we can run with these guys, you know, some of these kids know football, some of them don't. So we can kind of mix different concepts in, try different things at the state, at the JV level and experiment with some stuff to see if it's more effective. And, um, uh, I would say the best part of JV is just to see the group of kids out there, you know, excelling, you know, developing. And that's the big point is we're a developmental program, a developmental league to see these kids in three to four years time, you know, develop into really good football players when they get to their varsity season. Yeah, those are great points, guys. I think sometimes that people, you know, locally kind of maybe just gloss over the whole JV football thing. And I, I feel like sometimes it doesn't really get the credit it deserves. Coach Chris, can you kind of speak on that a little bit? Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure for a lot of people. I mean, uh, it's it's logical to look to to varsity, obviously, all the time because you know those are the guys that are fulfilling. You know, kind of the um, 
you know, the, the end of their dream, so to speak. Right. I mean, they've been at it for three, four years at the high school level and obviously many years before that, potentially at, you know, the youth level. And they're kind of like, you know, culminating, you know, all that road of hard work, you know, uh, at the varsity level. And, you know, the athletes are bigger and stronger and faster and, you know, the coaches are great and everybody's working super hard. And, you know, I mean, hey, varsity football is awesome. I mean, uh, you'd be hard pressed to, uh, you know, to find me anywhere else on a Thursday or a a Friday night than, uh, you know, than watching the varsity games. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm, you know, often all over Winnipeg, you know, uh, either either following the varsity team from Vincent Massey or just showing up randomly at some other, you know, field to watch a game and just take it all in. Um, uh, And so I think for, in, in some ways, for, for good reason, um, you know, people look to, you know, the, the top um, of what the Winnipeg High School Football League has to offer um, as being what they're going to gravitate towards. Um, but that being said, you know, JV football um, in uh, the Winnipeg High School Football League has grown immensely as far as, you know, the amount of players participating and the quality of players participating, the quality of coaches that are coaching on all the various teams, you know, has improved immensely over the past couple of years. Um, and uh, it's it's a very competitive brand of football. Of course, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with young guys, so it, you know, it can get, you know, a little sloppy early in the season here and there. And, you know, everybody's still kind of feeling their way through the process. But uh, I'll tell you what, watching, you know, top JV teams at the end of the season in October and November, mm. when everybody's had a chance to gel and get to know each other, I mean, that's some absolutely incredible football. I mean, that's, you know, as good as it gets at that, you know, 14 and 15 year old age bracket. Absolutely. And, and, you know, leading into, you know, uh, you know, high level of play in 2018, you guys uh, were able to put together, you had a phenomenal team, uh, stars everywhere. Uh, A number of those guys recently have signed with the Manitoba Bisons. I believe there's four guys in total as of right now that that have signed from that Massey 2018 JV team. Um, One being uh, your quarterback, Jordan Hanslip. Coach Jay, I'm I'm interested in your relationship with Jordan and and what was it about Jordan in that season that you coached him that you know that you really liked about him? Well, just from day one when you you just take a look at him, his you know his fundamentals were light years ahead of anybody I have ever seen in grade nine and ten. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he was a he loved football, like he loved it. Always wanted to always wanted to know the whys, but was always good at following instructions. You know, he was a kid that you had to tell him, you only had to tell him everything once. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had to repeat something to him. You said it once, and it was just like we did it all the time. Um, his, you know, he had a phenomenal arm. We had some amazing targets for him to throw the ball to. Um, we were, you know, when we, with that team, you know, we were able to just show up pretty much the first week and start installing a pass game, which, you mm-hmm. know, translates early in the season to a lot of success. Um, we, uh, like, what can I say? Jordan was uh, probably a once in a lifetime quarterback. If I could get anybody like with half his talent again, I find I think I'd be a lucky coach. Right. And coach, you and you were speaking on you know the the funness of being creative with your offense, you know figuring things out as the season goes on, experimenting. That season, 
you you guys were humming from the beginning, but I'm interested in, in were there anything specifically offensively that you guys kind of put in as wrinkles that uh, that Jordan was really able to take advantage of? Well, I, I would say like with Jordan and his ability, it was far like far beyond anything that we've seen in JV football. So we were able to you know put in different things in terms of bootleg action, you know, a little bit of reverse pivots and all that, but some stuff that we would always, you know, talk about mm-hmm. and do talk about and do, but we would never do it with any other quarterback. And then we would just try it on a practice field. Uh, not really specific, but just the way he was able to do pretty much everything that we kind of like, Hey, coach Dave, what is this? How about, how about we do this, you know, with his movement? How about we do that? And then it was, coach, I'll do it. Like he'll do it. And then you'll look and you're like, okay, let's just put that in then. Or right. let's put that as a part of, uh, of the offensive pack really. And, and then it just made things simple, but fun. And, you know, it was just impressive how he, how he's able to, you know, take what he learned from the practice field and moved it onto the game field pretty much. Yeah. He was, he was pretty phenomenal. I mean, the games that I watched, the, the ability that he had for a JV kid was, you know, far outside anybody else I've ever seen, really, you know, locally. So, you know, he was very phenomenal. But uh, you guys obviously had a, had a, a good impact on him as well. Uh, Coach Johnston, just to kind of cap on, on Jordan Hanslip, I'm interested in, you know, now that he's going to the Bisons, he, he's going to be in a competition, you know, to work himself, you know, up on the roster. Um, I'm interested in, in kind of some of the intangibles that you may have saw that year in 2018 that you think will translate to the youth sport level and, and him going forward? Well, I think, I mean, if anybody is built to compete, uh, you know, it's Jordan Hanslip. I mean, he's, he's just that he's a competitor. Um, you know, he, um, he seems to have tremendous drive and focus. You know, he, uh, is a guy that, you know, from my standpoint, I view him, you know, as, as a kid that, you know, he, he sets a goal for himself, he accomplishes the goal, he sets another goal, and he just moves on methodically through the process until he's reached whatever level he's, you know, trying to achieve. Um, so, you know, he's a tremendous competitor. Um, he is um, a very, very intellectual football player. I mean, he, you know, was, uh, I think, definitely blessed in the sense that, you know, he spent time around some really good football minds when he was younger you know, and absorbed a lot from the, you know, a lot of the game when he was younger and obviously had a great passion for it. And I think that obviously is maybe one of the most important things when you move on to, you know, a vastly more competitive level like you sports, um, you definitely need to have passion for the game. You need to actually enjoy grinding it out at practice when you're not the guy, you know, when you're putting in all those reps of practice and you're maybe not seeing you know, the immediate results in the sense of not being on the field right away and being able to play on game day. So I think he's, you know, he's uniquely, um, you know, prepared to uh, to go through that experience. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as far as when he eventually gets to the point where, you know, he's, you know, he's genuinely ready to step on the field and participate, mm-hmm. however long that takes, um, I think he's, you know, definitely the type of kid that has uh, a calm, cool, collective uh, demeanor. Um, you know, he, he doesn't allow what's going on externally around him to, to rattle him. Um, you know, a negative play is, you know, is, you know, more often than not, he, you know, he puts it aside, he moves on to the next play. 
And, um, you know, and he's just focused on the goal of getting the ball where it needs to go and distributing it to his teammates and, you know, obviously allowing his teammates to make plays. Um, so, you know, I think, like I say, the, you know, that calm, cool demeanor, um, you know, combined with, uh, you know, the fact that he's very, very intelligent um, and, uh, you know, he's just a really hardworking kid and very goal oriented. And I think that uh, he's really equipped to accomplish whatever he wants. So today, guys, we're going to play a little NFL trivia game, okay? So how this is going to work is we're going to start with Coach Ewan, and you're going to be given a question. There's four rounds. If you answer your question correctly within five seconds, you get a point. If you don't answer your question in five seconds, somebody can steal your question and answer, okay? So collective at the end, whoever has the most points wins, okay? Uh, and here we go. All right, so Coach Ewan, in 2020, it was the first season since 1999 that Tom Brady was not on the New England Patriots roster. Who was the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots week one of 1999? Drew Bledsoe. Correct, one point. All right, Coach Johnston. Which NFL legendary quarterback was known for needing to eat a bowl of chicken noodle soup at halftime of a bowl game to warm up because they thought he was potentially getting hypothermia. Oh, my goodness. Of a bowl game? Yes, a bowl game. So we're talking when he was in college? One. You're out of time. Who's up? Coach All Ewan, right, you're up. What's the answer, Coach Ewan? Joe Montana. Joe Montana, you are correct. Two points for Coach Ewan. Zero for Coach Johnston. All right, all right, Coach Jay. Here's a here's a softball for you. In nineteen <laughs> in nineteen eighty six, what QB from what team took his team to the Super Bowl in an iconic game named the Forty Niners? No, <laughs> I didn't finish the question. <laughs> The game is known as The Drive. You got, you're running out of time. Coach, you and your help. You're out of time, Jayski. Somebody going to steal that? Coach, you oh, I think I know faster than I did. Coach, you John Elway. God. John Elway, when he beat the Cleveland Browns, the drive, right? Okay, so Coach Ewan dominated the first round. For the Browns at the time? Sorry? Was Bernie Kosar the quarterback for the Browns he at the was. time? He was, that's true. All right, okay. Coach Ewan killed it that round. Okay, round two. Okay, we're going to get a little tougher here as we go here, guys. All right, so Coach Ewan, Brett Favre's. His Ironman streak came to an end in 2010 with 297 straight games. Name the Minnesota Viking QB to start in his place. So, oh, Joe Webb. Incorrect. Would anybody like to steal? Jayski. Tavares Jackson. Correct. Jayski is oh, on the board. All right, Jay's got a point. Okay, Coach and Chris. Fight that, by the way. Yeah, no doubt. All right, 
Coach Johnston, name this QB. He threw for 174 passing touchdowns in his career. He played for the Houston Oilers, Tennessee Titans, and the Baltimore Ravens. And a little nugget here of a tip, he used to like to take a nap before the game. Name that QB. McNair. Correct. Air McNair. Johnston's on the board. All right, Jayski. All-time favorites. All right, Jayski. Name this QB. He threw for 294 passing touchdowns in his career. He was drafted as a first-rounder by the Cincinnati Bengals. He played for the Oakland Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals. Name that QB. Man, Rich Gannon? I don't know. Sorry, buddy. That's incorrect. Coach Ewan. Carson Palmer. That is correct. Carson Palmer. Uh, uh, that was a good you one. You know right? what? That 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 was a tricky one. I did not really it makes sense now, but I did not have that one. Okay, okay. All right. You guys ready for round three? What what's the scoring right now? Coach Ewan's dominated again. He's got four and you each got one. Yes, correct. I believe that's correct, yeah. All right. Okay. Coach Ewan, you are up. Okay. What community college did Cam Newton play for after he was kicked off of the Florida Gators before he played for the Auburn Tigers? Uh, That is the same community college as Aaron Rodgers, Blinn Community College. Wow. Good job, Ewan. (laughs) Blinn Community College, and he won a national title, I believe, that year. Did he not? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. We're moving on. Okay, Coach Johnston. This QB played for the Cincinnati Bengals, the New York Jets, and the Arizona Cardinals. His birth name, his first name, is Norman Julius, but he has gone by a nickname since his college days at Maryland. Name that QB. Oh, Boomer. Boomer Esiason. Good yeah. work, Coach. Good job. Good job, Coach. <laughs> all right. All right. I yeah. thought you were going to trick me there. Right? Yeah, I didn't think <laughs> you were going to get that one. I thought I was being set up. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. Jayski, you're up. Okay. This Hall of Fame NFL quarterback was drafted in the early 1980s. He chose to play in the USFL for the Houston Gamblers wow. instead of the NFL. Name that QB. not Steve Young, is it? No, that is incorrect. Nope. Who's stealing? Nobody's stealing? Oh, no, Coach no. Ewan? There was oh, a Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. Remember what he said? He said, he said something along the lines of, <laughs> would, you, would you rather play in Houston or in Buffalo? Yeah. I'll give you yeah. Would you rather play in Houston or Buffalo? Remember that? There we go. Yes. Okay, so what's the scoring? You have five points, Coach Ewan? And we yeah. got two and two. So. We got all right, five to two to two. All right. Okay, this is our last round, fourth round, okay? Now, I've kind of tried to tailor tailor these questions to your guys' NFL teams that you guys like. Okay, the ones that you follow. Okay, but I did make these questions pretty difficult. Alright, so Coach Ewan. In October of 1965. A defense, a, de- a defensive player from Minnesota Vikings picked up a fumble and ran the wrong way thinking he scored a touchdown. Who is that defensive lineman? He just recently celebrated a birthday. It is Jim Marshall. That is correct. Good job, Coach You and Jim Marshall. Wrong way, Jim Marshall. Since trivia. Yeah, he's good. 
All right. Coach Johnston, your Saints, in the late 1980s, early 90s, had a group of linebackers, four linebackers, Pat Swilling, Ricky Jackson, Vaughn Johnson, and Sam Mills, that were given a name. What was their name? I do not remember. Oh, but I should know this. Mm -hmm. I feel like a fool for not knowing this. Anybody want to steal? Nobody knows? No. All right. They were they were deemed the Dome Patrol. Oh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Jay, this is your last one. All right. Let's see if you can get into second place here. In 1981... Your 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys with an iconic play named The Catch. What was the play called? Oh, it's... Oh, it's... Oh, it's sprint right. You're so close. not the sprint right, spider wide, but yeah, that's the only one I can think of, and I know that's not it. No, you're, you got the first part right. Who wants to steal that? Coach Ewan? Sprint right option. Sprint right yeah. option. That a boy. Way to go. All right, Coach, you dominated. It all makes sense now. <laughs> and, uh, guys, college football playoffs are coming up in a couple of days. We got number one, Bama versus Notre Dame, number four, Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl. And then we have number two, Clemson versus number three, Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. So, Starting with you, Coach Ewan, who are your predictions for the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, and then who do you think will win the national title? Well, I'm a I'm a big Notre Dame fan, but I just don't think they're going to beat Alabama. I'm taking Alabama in that game, mm -hmm. and between Clemson and Ohio State, I gotta I gotta say Clemson in this matchup, obviously, uh, just with. Clemson's offense, high-powered. I, I think it's going to be a shootout, so I'm taking Clemson, taking Trevor Lawrence, taking Travis Etienne. And then my national championship, I'm going to take the Alabama Crimson Tide in that one. Wow. Okay, okay. All right. Coach Jay, what do you think? Oh, wow. I've been, I've been saying that Bama, it's Bama's year all year. That I think they're going to roll Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. But in the other game, I think... I think I'm going to go with Cle I'm going to go with Clemson. That defense really showed out in the ACC championship game, right. and then in a Bama Clemson final. I, you know what? I'm going to change what I've been thinking all year, and I'm going to just go with the best player on the field, and I'm going to go with Clemson to be the national champion. Awesome! I like that. Going with the Q. All right, Coach Johnston. I know who you're picking already. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as a loyal Alabama fan, yeah. definitely roll tide. They're going to win the Rose Bowl. Um, and uh, in, in the second game, honestly, I think if Ohio State had had the chance to play a full slate of games, mm -hmm. I think that this would be, you know, an even better game than it's going to be. Uh, and I think they probably would have had a legit chance at, at beating Clemson, but I think Clemson is going to win. Um, I think uh, Trevor Lawrence and... Uh, the, the defense there at Clemson, um, it's just too much on both sides of the ball. Uh, and then uh, the national championship is, uh, it's clear cut. 
it's not going to go any other way in my mind. It's uh, it's going to be Alabama. Um, you know, I, I I agree that Trevor Trevor Lawrence will be the best quarterback on the field, um, but uh, that Mac Jones, he's not too shabby either. That I can true. see him uh, throwing his share of yards and touchdown passes in the national championship. Very true. All right. Well, speaking of the cues, guys, you know, there's a number of guys right now: Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Zach Wilson, you know, that have been kind of deemed the, the top QBs of the NFL draft coming up next year. Uh, the Jags are on the clock. They got the first pick. Again, starting with you, Coach Ewan, who, who would you be taking? Oh, without a doubt, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it's just not, it's not even fair. Like, I think there's a big gap between one and two, and it's Trevor Lawrence by far I'd take as the first pick. Okay, how about you, Coach Jay? I would agree with Coach Ewan and I would be taking Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think the gap between the second guy is as big as we everybody thinks. I think Zach Wilson is going to make another franchise of very happy being their QB. Yeah, I think you're probably right. How about you, Coach Johnson? I totally agree with uh, with Coach Huck. Um, I think it's uh, Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, is, is unequivocally the number one, but uh, I actually uh, – I think Zach Wilson is uh, a phenomenal quarterback, and uh, and I think that whoever nabs him at whatever point uh, in the draft he's drafted, that team is getting pretty lucky. He's a special football player for sure. Yeah, I would have to agree on that. So you, I guess from, from what you guys are saying, you would have Justin Fields as your third quarterback of those three, kind of what yeah. you guys are saying. You know, it, it's yeah, in, I would say. Go ahead, Coach. Um, yeah, I would say, like, Justin Fields is probably the third QB, but, like, I guess uh, Zach Wilson is a higher ceiling, I would say, out of the bunch. You know, he has a higher ceiling and, uh, you know, a better opportunity for him in, in whatever team he goes to. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say that, it's, you know, as, as good of a passer as Justin Fields is, when I watch him, he holds on to the ball a long time, and he still really, like, relies on his athleticism. Not that that's a bad thing, but... With a guy like Trevor Lawrence that is a pure passer and then he adds the athleticism, and, and uh, Zach Wilson is a little bit more of that kind of cut, I, I think that those guys are, you know, typically do better in the NFL. And I, I really like Justin Fields, and, and I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. And obviously there's a lot of teams now that are running with athletic quarterbacks and using their dynamic skills, but in the long run I still feel like the pure quarterback that can play in the pocket, throw the ball, and then add the intangibles to take off and get a first down and be elusive. I think that's – I would agree with you guys that uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick. I think that's a no-brainer. I, you know what? Just to, to add to that, though, mm-hmm. not that it was a mock draft here or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I honestly think it could end up working out well for Justin Fields because I could totally see him landing with Atlanta. Yeah. And that could end up being a great situation for him because – for starters, he's from Georgia, so he'd be going home. Mm-hmm. And that secondarily, you know, they obviously have a great quarterback who's kind of in the twilight of his career, in my opinion, and Matt Ryan. Right. But Matt Ryan's a guy that definitely still has gas in the tank. So, you know, Justin Fields could potentially, if he were to land with Atlanta, he could sit behind Matt Ryan for at least a year and, uh, you know, continue to develop. And, you know, you never know what happens after that, obviously. Guys, uh, I've been running through Big Air some online sessions through the month of December. We had four of them. We had some guest speakers on. 
trying to you know school uh, school our quarterbacks and, and some local coaches on base fundamentals of you know passing mechanics and, and working different parts of the game was an awesome experience you know we we were really able to uh, I feel like we gave the quarterbacks a lot of you know intangible information stuff that they can work on you know in in the meantime waiting for their seasons to go um, you know at the JV level you guys uh, typically don't get to keep the same quarterback for for more than one year typically you have him for a year and, and he's gone he's off to varsity so you're constantly dealing with a new quarterback, and, and maybe dealing with isn't the right way to phrase it, but uh, you know, just the sense that uh, you're you're having to work with different athletes every year, and there's there's not a lot of continuity at the quarterback position. Um, you know, starting with you, Coach Johnston, what is it that you uh, you value in your quarterback? Uh, I would honestly say um, work ethic um, is huge. Um, because it's, uh, it's a long road typically to get from, you know, where, where we start to where we finish in JV football. So the kid has got to be willing to stick, stick it out the whole way. Um, so yeah, work ethic. And, um, honestly, I would, uh, I would say like leadership, you know, um, is, uh, is huge. I want a kid that's going to go out there and lead by example, you know, uh, a kid that has great character. And, uh, and it, you know, is going to be at least reasonably speaking, a vocal leader on the field, um, you know, doesn't have to be extremely loud, raw, raw guy, but I, I still want him to be, you know, um, you know, a somewhat of a vocal leader, um, and, uh, to be able to command the huddle and to be able to command the, you know, the players out on the field and get guys lined up and hold guys accountable when they make mistakes. Um, like I think that leadership quality is, uh, just completely invaluable. So you're saying you need a coach on the field is what you need. It, ideally, at least from like a from a maturity standpoint, yes. I mean, even if he doesn't know the offense like our coaches do, I mm -hmm. mean, that's a lot to ask of a young guy. But sure. but yeah, I want somebody that the that the players respect, mm -hmm. um, that his teammates respect, um, and I want him to be willing and able to hold his teammates accountable. Um, and I want them to know that they can hold him accountable because he's the type of guy that can handle it going both ways. Right. Uh, how about you, Coach Jay? What do you what what intangibles do you like in your quarterback? Well, Coach Johnson touched on leadership, but I'd like to add poise mm -hmm. to to that. Um, you know, like the football is a crazy game. A lot of things happen during the game. There's a lot of emotion. You know, like it's a underrated talent or skill to be able to command the huddle, even to get the to get the play in, to get the personnel, the formation. And even get people lined up where they need to be, you know, at JV, you know, when we get an injury, odds are the guy has not practiced every play that we're going to run mm -hmm. and he's going to need some help. Um, you know, like you say, like, football is a wild and crazy game. You need somebody that can turn the page after a bad play. And like Coach Johnson said, lead a, lead a group of men down the field. Right. So you need mental stability. We need a guy that's not going to get frazzled under pressure that can handle those things, you know. That's great. Coach Ewan, how about you? What do you what do you like in, in your quarterbacks? Uh, again, leadership and poise are big things that I look in for a quarterback. But, you know, some things, uh, something like a, for a quarterback is to be on the same page with his coach at times, you know, with his offensive coordinator, to kind of understand where the offense is so that he's kind of calling the plays 
you guys are kind of in sync when you call play. Mm-hmm. Or when you ask him on the sideline in a big, big, big situation, what do you like, right? And he's not afraid to say, I like this play, right? Right. There's so many times where we've had quarterbacks where we'd be like, coach, it's up to you, right? Yeah. But when, when the ball is in your hand mm-hmm. and he comes up and says, for example, blue gin, you know, that's a play that we've had for years. And a quarterback comes to I want to run this play. Right. This is what I want to run, you know. So to have a quarterback that's willing to, to speak his mind and, and really, you know, believe in the system as well. I think that's a huge point that you touched on because there's so many guys, players and coaches alike, that will criticize play calls after the fact, right? But when you're in the moment and you ask them, what do you think? It's crickets a lot of the times, right? And it's the same kind of people that will criticize you but have no opinion when it matters. Right, so I think that's huge that your quarterback has to be on the same page with you. He he sort of has to, like you said, feel the game like you're feeling the game. But he should also sort of anticipate in certain scenarios what we're gonna call, right, and where he should be going with the ball based upon you know the work that you've done in, during the week to prepare him, right. So uh, those those are all great components, guys. I I really appreciate that. You know, in terms of um, what what can these quarterbacks do? you know, to get better in the offseason. This is a weird year. Obviously, some of these guys are able to play some some flag or touch football and whatnot, and that was great for them. But, uh, you know, it's still not tackle football, and we all missed the game this year. And, and you know, again, we're all still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. But there is a lot of time to, to put in work. So what do you guys think is valuable for young quarterbacks to do? Coach Johnson, I'll start with you. Well, I think, you know, this is this is an incredibly unique year and under the current circumstances that these kids find themselves in, um, you know, it's it's tough, right? Because, you know, you you can't tell them to, you know, to work with, uh, you know, a private quarterback coach, you know, you can't, you know, tell them to attend this camp or that camp because, you know, the, that stuff just isn't going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, um, you know, if, if young football players have access to, film on themselves and they have the ability you know to sit down with you know whether it's their coaches within their program or with um you know coaches externally somebody like yourself um you know with big air academy and sit down and review that film um you know with quarterback coaches with offensive coordinators and you know um basically put in some self-analysis and see where they can fundamentally do better, where they can understand either their own plays within their program or understand defenses better um, by, by studying film. I think that would be very valuable. Um, And then on top of that, I think, you know, control what you can control, right? Take care of your body, right? You know, eat well, you know, um, find ways to train at home. I mean, obviously you don't need, you know, some huge expensive home gym, in order to be able to, uh, you know, train properly. I mean, these young guys are at a point in their life where, you know, they, um, they're going to grow naturally and develop, you know, physically regardless. So, you know, take care of your body, eat, eat good quality food, you know, put good things in your body and, uh, and, and work out, you know, do push-ups, do sit-ups, do, you know, uh, do planks, do, you know, squats, you know, lunges, stuff like that, you know, do, you know, body weight bearing exercises, you know, and, and work on, you know, um, you know, high rep, you know, uh, activities to ensure that, you know, when the time comes that you're, uh, you're able to, 
get back into pads or, you know, just get back out on the field with a football, you know, in a, in a flag situation, maybe, or a touch football situation that you're in great shape and you're mentally ready to go. Excellent. Coach Jay, how do you feel? Well, there's, you know, the obvious, the obvious in the eat well, you know, do workout. And I'd like to add, get your sleep, but you know, other things like, you know, working on your footwork. I know once we get going during the season, QB definitely does not get as much individual time as a quarterback need. As the four of us all know, the QB can never have too much indie time, right. with, you know, with his feet. Um, the other thing is, if you have an, if you're going into a season where you have an established playbook, knowing the playbook and knowing everybody else's assignments, is kind of a prerequisite to being a good quarterback. You know, all the good ones know what everybody's job is on the field. And, you know, that quarterback's pretty much just got to be an extension of the coaching staff on the field. Oh, that's that's well said, Jay. I think it's super important, you know, for the guys to, you know, be dialed in to know their plays, right? Like, this, this is the time to put in that work, to understand why this play is designed that way. What are we reading? Go through the finer points because, like you said, when we get on the field, a lot of times things are moving fast, and you know, depending on how things are going with your season, you don't get all that additional time. And and also coaching at the JV level, you guys don't have a lot of additional time for, let's say, some meetings or film work or whatnot. It has to be done kind of digitally. So so I really think that that's important is really learning your playbook and and kind of how the quarterback needs to read each play and whatnot. I know as the offensive coordinator, I do not get to spend enough time with my quarterback during practice, you know, whether you're coaching another position group or helping somewhere else. It's just, you know, that's the guy that sometimes ends up getting neglected. So the more work he's doing in the offseason, the better off we are as a team and for his progression. Right. Very true. How about you, Coach Ewan? Uh, same thing, right? Uh, getting in the gym, but also just a big, big fundamental. You know, just working on your footwork, working on your arm strength, working on just the little things, but also working on different throws, different platforms, platforms, layering the ball, working on those kind of things to, to be better, right? Because obviously QBs don't throw on the same platform. They throw on different layers. They layer the football. Right. And, and also, again, Coach Jay mentioned it, just getting in that playbook, knowing where everything's got to be, knowing that when first read's not there, where do I go? And that you know, entails flipping the hips, working on your footwork, uh, just going back to the fundamentals pretty much. Oh, I couldn't agree more, guys. That's uh, obviously what I really kind of pride myself on at Big Air is is teaching from the ground up. And I've always been a huge believer in footwork, and I, and I totally agree that there's never enough time. You know, there, there, you just need to, as a quarterback, to continually work on, the, on your footwork. The best guys, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees's, they do it every day. It's part of their routine. Working your footwork, working your base, like you said, Coach Ewan, you know, different platform throws, all those kind of things that they're part of the game, right? So I think those are all important factors. Um, okay, guys, into the last section here, I like to ask everybody this question. So, again, starting with you, Coach Johnston, uh, who is your favorite pro quarterback of all time and why? Um, oof. Um, you know what, honestly, like it sounds biased because I'm a Saints fan, but you know, it's Drew Brees. I look at a guy who I think is, is, um, you know, his body of work speaks for itself with regards to the fact that 
you know, he, he's won one Super Bowl, you know. He's obviously uh, had tremendous success with, you know, taking his team to the playoffs and being competitive virtually every year. Um, and, uh, you know, statistically speaking, his, uh, you know, his body of work is, you know, it's utterly amazing, you know, in, in pretty much really every category. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I mean, I think he would he would be my guy. And, and I've honestly, for the longest time, considered him to be one of, you know, the elite ultimate competitors at that position in the NFL. I mean, obviously it's, uh, you know, you, it's hard to say that there's one guy that's the best, but, right. you know, certainly in that elite upper echelon group where, you know, if you want to win a football game, you're going to want to put the ball in his hands when there's very little time on the clock um, because he's going to get it done. True. Coach Jay, who do you like? Oh, no debate at the top end of the echelon there. It's Joe Montana. That boy. Nobody, nobody has, uh, I was going to say, nobody's been as clutch as he has, but you can probably make an argument these days. But just the way he, back in the 80s when he was dissecting defenses, they were the 49ers were ahead of their time. Um, his toughness, like I say, mm-hmm. they, they made me fall in love with, with passing. That's awesome. You know, I was talking to uh, Andre Duick on our last episode, and I asked him who who did he think is the goat of all time in terms of quarterbacks, and he and he obviously mentioned Tom Brady, and and I wouldn't disagree with that, um, you know, as a talking point. But to me, I, I'm with you, Jay. Like to me, Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback of, of all time. I mean, first of all, he played in an era his entire career where he had to be a man. He had to get hit. And, and a lot of the quarterbacks these days don't get hit the way that Joe Montana took licks, you know. Um, he was in four Super Bowls. He won all four Super Bowls. He also never threw an interception in a Super Bowl. Like, that alone, come on. It is very impressive. Right? Like, yeah. So I, I'm with you, Jay. I, I think, I, you know, I always have loved Joe, and there's, there's many great quarterbacks. It's hard to just say one, but, uh, but yeah, I'm with you on that one. How about you, Eric? Who do you like? Well, I've... This guy might might surprise you, might not, but this guy has destroyed my team for years. Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, this guy is one of the best quarterbacks of all time, getting up there. Obviously, he needs the Super Bowls, but from an arm strength, intelligence, mobility, you you name it, he's pretty damn good. Can't disagree with that. Can't disagree with that. He's he's pretty good. Yeah. One of the greatest ever. For sure. All right, guys. Well, that. You know, concludes our show. I want to thank you guys for being on. You know, you guys are my brothers. I appreciate you guys being on. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. And uh, we'll talk in the new year. You guys take it easy.